Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And today we're talking about I Was Made to Love You and Reprise, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Darkest Timeline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, no comment. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, it's like Buffy went into the dark place and Angel was already there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, but before we get there, Jenny, how are you? How has this week been? I mean, I mean, the week has we been terrible. How it's, been. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible because of the news. It's terrible because I've been working a lot, like like so much more. Like I don't get paid enough to work more than the normal schedule, but whatever. You know, you do what you got to do. But the one bright spot in my week, well, I mean, other than things that are sappy, um, is that I did finally get to go to Michael's yesterday for Halloween supplies. I although the Michael's was in quite a state. They almost had nothing for Halloween, which was really weird, but I did get enough. I got enough of the things that I wanted. Um, some people are going to come over next week to watch spooky movies with me. And I prom, I prom, I promised, I sort of promised them like crafts. So I had to go get things to do crafts with. And I also had to come up with crafts for people to do. They're basically what you would do in like kindergarten. (laughs) Okay. But I'm not, I'm pretty excited about it. I like got some felt, I got some pom-poms, I got some pipe cleaner, and then this, t- just before, right when I got home, I was like, the way that I'm going to decompress is I'm going to try and make a little uh, pom-pom spider. And I made one of these really cute. <laughs> oh, wait, was that the thing with the little top hat? Yeah, and then Alex was like, oh, I need this little top hat. So I made him a little top hat, and now he's like, he's super adorable. So I feel really good about that. And then he's like taking it on and off. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's still t- tipping his hat to you. Anyway, so that was what I did to unwind this evening, and it was great. I uh, stand by it. And I'm also excited because I wasn't actually sure the pom-poms were going to work the way I wanted them to, and, like, the crafting, I think it's going to go fine. So I feel good. Excellent. About Halloween. (laughs) I feel bad about almost everything else. (laughs) But you know you got to take it where you can find it, so. Absolutely. Will you you agree that he's really cute? Yeah, he's adorable, and you have him doing a little dance. Mm Mm-hmm. I was pretty proud of myself. He's not at all creepy. No, not at all. Just cute. How are you? Well, I mean, I read the news all week, so I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm in a good place. Uh, (laughs) Definitely. No, I like my friend. So this is a really busy weekend in San Francisco. It's like a week. So I don't know if you can hear the airplane outside right now, but there's like an air show there's, um, it's also the Bluegrass Festival, so there's, like, a oh, big, yeah. like, thing. Yeah, and it's also supposed to be, like, super hot. So, mm. I don't know, like, all I want to do is, like, hibernate inside. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, oh, do you want to go to the Bluegrass Festival? Oh, let's go do the air show. And I'm just like, leave no me thanks. alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> the world sucks. Like, just yeah. let me wallow. So, I don't know. But um, maybe I'll pull myself together and do something fun this weekend. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I remembered at, like... 2 p.m. today that I have a three-day weekend, so it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have that. That's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I guess, I don't know if that really answers the question. I have not been yeah, doing sure. fun Halloween crafts, though, but yeah, I did actually, no, you'll appreciate this. This is so boring. You'll appreciate <laughs> it, though. So you gave me a puzzle, like, a few years ago that was, like, that color okay. gradient puzzle. Mm-hmm. Area wear. I'm very yes. familiar. They make a lot more puzzles now. They do. And and it has a side effect of making you want to commit murder while you're doing it. But I, it's yeah. been sitting. I didn't want to take it apart, obviously, after I spent all yeah. this time putting it together. Yeah. So it's been sitting under my coffee table for, like, two years. <laughs> okay. Um, but I finally bought a frame for it. So nice. it's going on the wall. That's it's exciting. Also, I mean, no offense, but it's a piece of art that if I hang it to replace the piece of art that got bleached by the sun... And uh, the sun also yeah. bleaches it. I won't feel as bad. So that's a good point. Yeah. No, I'm not offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. They make a lot more now. They make some that are metallic, and they have it in a bunch of different sizes. I was I was researching this for us for for work reasons, which is why I know this. But I think they started making. Um, yeah, they have a lot of interesting ones now. Yeah, people at the office did. Um, a different color one and mm-hmm. I could tell they were doing it wrong and I was like I'm not having any part of this and then I like couldn't help myself because they were like we're done and I just like looked at it I was like no you're not, no, you're not. <laughs> like you just forced all these pieces <laughs> I mean because they all fit in the same place but I was like this this That's is not funny. correct so I had to go in and fix it but all right well speaking of building things 
Mm-hmm. It's a very natural segue. It's a segue. great segue. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Buffy. Yeah. So this week we meet robots. Mm-hmm. Well, a robot, but... We meet the Warren. idea of robots, yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to meet some... These are This week was some elements that are going to stick around for a while. It's so true. Yeah. Big big episode for Buffy. So will you help me out? I don't remember how it starts. <laughs> well, it starts with Buffy complaining about Spike and the events of last week. Yes. Okay, yes. And she's like so punching bag Xander. Buffy's beating up Xander while she mm-hmm. complains about the fact that Spike is in love with her. Yeah. And But mostly it's Buffy lamenting that something must be wrong with her, that she's driven right. away to relationships and the only person left who has feelings for her is a murderous vampire. Yeah. <laughs> and <Fair enough>. <laughs> so her friends are trying to like cheer her up, you know, um they go to a party and you know, she sees Ben there. They're really trying to like drive home this like Buffy and Ben flirtation thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Buffy's happy to have someone who seems interested in her. Um meanwhile, Willow and Tara encounter this girl who's looking for Warren. And that's all she keeps saying is, Where's Warren? He's my boyfriend. Where is he? But mm-hmm. she's talking kind of funny and they soon realize, like, yeah, she's she's a robot. She's super strong. She's like Tossing people through windows and across mm-hmm. the room. Tossing um, Spike through windows, yes. specifically. <laughs> and Buffy across the room. And so True. they, they're like, well, who's Warren? We don't know. So they decide to start looking. Buffy quickly tracks down Warren, mm-hmm. who admits that he built a robot. Mm-hmm. But he didn't build, like, just a sex robot, as they all assume. He built a girlfriend. So she's mm-hmm. fully devoted to him, fully in love with him, fully prepared to do literally anything to keep him, mm-hmm. including murder, potentially his current girlfriend. Actual girlfriend, yeah. Yep. They go throughout this day where, you know, Warren's basically trying to run from his responsibilities that he's mm-hmm. created with this girl, and Buffy's trying to mitigate the damage and mm-hmm. basically ends up waiting out the time while the, ro- the batteries die and the robot essentially mm-hmm. dies with it. Meanwhile, Joyce is also encountering the dating world and mm-hmm. happy giddily preparing for a date um you know she seems to be fully recovered from the brain tumor um mm-hmm. she's going out to dinner in a movie and you know it kind of also puts it home to buffy that she doesn't have this right now um yeah yeah but buffy decides that you know what Like, all of this, like, mess with Warren kind of tells her that she's going to be okay by herself for a while because, you know, everybody just wants somebody, but seeing the destruction that Warren wrought with his, like, desperation to have someone love him, she kind of decides, like, maybe it's not always the most important thing. Like, she'll just be happy, try to be happy being by herself. Yeah. Because as Warren says, like, he built the perfect girlfriend and then he was bored by her. He didn't want her. So it's all very disgusting. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) Buffy comes to this conclusion. She's happy. She comes home and her mom got flowers and, you know, it's all very sweet. And then she just say it. (laughs) She finds her mother's body on the couch. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, you really buried the lead, even though presumably anybody well, who's listening I, to this I just watched like, it. I but I, I get it. Like, I, I was know, like, is this the first thing I say, or do I just play it the way the story played it, and it comes out of nowhere? No, no, no. That's fair. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, in some ways, it's tough, because I feel like that reveal, not even the reveal, so much as me knowing the next episode, is like... I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm a little distracted. <laughs> like, what I really want to talk about is what happens next. But at the same time, I actually did really like this episode. I feel like it was a really good, like, it was not, it, I don't want to just say that it was filler, but it was essentially filler. But it was just so snappy, and there was, like, so many mm-hmm. interesting things going on. I feel like every character was, like, on point. Like, everybody yes. was saying things that were cracking me up. Everybody was doing things that I thought were really, like, Xander's being exceptionally nice. You know, Willow's being funny. Giles is adorable. You know, like, there was just Tara so... Tara and Anya are friends? Yeah, like, and Anya was so cute in this episode. Like, everything about it, I just, like, it, it went so zippily along, I guess. And, like, in a way that was like, oh, I didn't even realize the 45 minutes had gone by. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, now Joyce is dead. You know, so it's like, I I guess I just want to say this was a great filler episode, other than the terrible thing that happens at the end. And I don't want to just say that it was filler, because obviously Warren is going to come back, and the robots are not 
you know, this oh, I forgot aren't going away. The end and also where Spike asked Warren to build him oh, a Buffy right. robot. Also, yeah, it's not Spike's finest moment. No. But yeah, I guess I just say, like, there, there were, they did cover a lot of ground, and they definitely covered a lot of stuff that will come up again in the next season um, and this season. But, um, but yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that I liked it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, to your point, everybody's really got their shining moments in this episode. Everybody and had something that made me laugh. I think that's what makes it so pleasant. And I think yeah. the other thing that makes it fun to watch is, unlike Angel... There yeah. is a very explicitly wrong situation happening here, well, and it's being right. called out every second yeah. as gross and disturbing and wrong. It's and true. Th- that was just so nice to see because honestly, I've yeah. questioned whether these writers can identify that. You know, right? Like compared to the episode two, one or two weeks ago, when uh, this guy wants to freeze his girlfriend in, in time to have sex with her forever, and just at the end they had beers with him. And I was like, well, yeah. that's pretty messed up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually do want to talk about Warren a lot because I think you said interesting things getting through the summary that I want to think think about more or something. Okay. Because, you know, Warren thinks that he built the perfect girlfriend, but what, what Warren's idea of what a perfect girlfriend is is already messed up. I thought it was really interesting, too, that, like, you know, when they're when the Scoobies are talking about like, oh, he it must be somebody who's really lonely and you get so desperate. And they, they're really playing at this angle through Buffy of like her loneliness and her feeling sad that she doesn't have anyone. But when they talk to Warren, he never says he was lonely. He says something along the lines of like he deserves someone. And I was like, I don't think that they meant for this episode to age exactly the way that it did, but he is just absolutely the embodiment of every entitled male. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, like, I, I think we both agree that they they certainly are aware that everything he's doing is wrong, which is refreshing. But I think that he's aged even better somehow than, like, he should have, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, they were really prescient with, like, this type of, like, male asshole is like, oof, you really got him good. <laughs> Yeah, because he's not building this robot because he can't get a date. Like, he's building it because he can't get a date that does exactly everything that he wants. Or yeah, is like yeah, exactly yeah. what he wants or looks like exactly what he wants. Or if, as we see her programming files, does exactly what he wants in yeah. every aspect of their relationship. Like, most of her files were sex positions. So, right. like, obviously There was another one see, called, like, sympathy. Yeah, like, there's things that we see that he was valuing in the relationship. But then... He builds it, and he finds that actually he prefers the more difficult, interesting woman in his lab who's giving mm-hmm. him a hard time, yeah. making life in- I mean, like, the real person, because she's right. complex and, you know, and it's like, he's not presented as this desperate loser who, like, does this because it's his only option. It's like, he does it and then realizes he, he has the same options he's always had, but maybe yeah. they're better than what he yeah. has. But but it's also like, the way he chooses to then move on is despicable. Like, that he yeah, just yeah. treats her as a disposable object. I mean, I think there's a metaphor here of like, Certainly. you know, you have a girlfriend, you decide to move on, and you just dispose of her as if she's not a person. And in this case, she actually isn't, but she, for all intents and purposes, believes herself to be. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's a message here about, like, the way he chooses to move on, and nobody's letting him off the hook for that. But it's true that he's aged less as, like, a poor, stereotypical loser and more yeah, as, like, an entitled like male a, who thinks yeah, that yeah. everything that he thinks he's supposed to have should be rightfully his. Well, and also that, like, there were just so many little... Mo- everything about him was, like, a subtle, you know, th- piece of information about wh- who Warren is and what he thinks about women. Is that... So, number one, he thinks that a girlfriend is somebody who is at your beck and call. <laughs> you know, he thinks it's somebody who is beautiful and who will have wild, kinky sex with you at your will. But he also... Um, you know, he told her... She says at one point that, like, well, I don't cry because that's a way to manipulate him. Like, that's another thing that he told her, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, not to say that emotional manipulation isn't a real thing and people can't go too far with it, but like, also you could be sad and express that to your partner and they should care about it. Like, there's lots of ways to frame that. And clearly he has one, you know, narrow viewpoint of it. And then also just watching the way that he interacts with his current day girlfriend, Katrina, you know, I can understand. I, I, I I don't want to, you know, I, I get, I guess I get. I can imagine that she sees something in him, but at once they're in Sunnydale, you know, they're there for his spring. They're there on spring break. They don't live in Sunnydale anymore. They met at some college in another state or another part of the uh, uh, in another state or in another part of the state. I wasn't paying enough attention. Um, but like, as soon as he decides that they need to keep running, he doesn't tell her anything. 
she won't answer any of her questions and he gets pretty aggressive with her like not physically but he i think feel like he tells her to shut up like he's he saying like you yeah. don't need to know this blah 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 you're just blah 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 like it was like oh it didn't take him long at all with her to go from zero to 60 i guess is another thing like not that anybody i don't think is on Warren's side like i'm not sure who i'm making this argument to exactly i just think that what's so frustrating is that he feels very true <laughs> he feels like somebody i've met you know I guess he, he just is a really like interesting might, villain. You know, yeah. stand up in a hearing and uh-huh. just say all mm-hmm. the ways that his life has been ruined by his own actions. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, I also know a couple of people legitimately like this when it was like, it took me a while to realize that they were just flat out misogynist. And I was like, holy sh- holy moly, Jenny, how did you not realize that sooner? But like, yeah. Oof, Warren. He, he will continue to not be painted in a great light but it's true i agree like this this episode is really fascinating in that i think that there's a cliche and typical way that it could have gone which is the angel way probably yeah and it sort of almost does that but it swerves Mm -hmm. a little bit and it's i don't know it's interesting to watch and you know well mm -hmm. i think it raises some interesting questions too about like the nature of this girlfriend that he built of like you know, it's kind of the same way that they've been questioning about Dawn, right? Of like, right, right. You know that you feel that she's real, but you know objectively that she's not. So, like, right. what, is, what, does what that decision mean? do you make to treat her as a human or as not a human? And it's kind yeah. of a similar situation of like he built her yeah, so well that point. she's almost indistinguishable from a real human. I mean, mm-hmm. other than she's her obviously not, but but basically, yeah, and her limitations. Yeah, I mean, she's got programming limitations and all of that. But like having a conversation with her, like. Mm-hmm. You know, Buffy could just rip the batteries out and leave, but she sits with her, Doesn't. comforts yeah. her as she's, for all intents and purposes, dying. Yeah. And treating her with empathy as if she's truly human. And I think that that's really fascinating. That is. And actually, you bring up another interesting point, which is that you're right. And that uh, I think out the gate, it does seem, you know, again, they're trying to uh, one of the what I thought a little bit. The, the one unsuccessful part of this episode was sort of trying to bring up all of, I, I don't know, something about the way Buffy talked about, like, oh, I drove them all away. It felt a little bit shoved into me because they wanted to draw these parallels between her and Warren and her and the robot. But it is interesting, I think, that initially, like I said, the Scoobies are saying, like, oh, well, this guy, he must have been so lonely, and, like, we know how that can make you feel. But by the end of it, the one that they're everybody is sympathizing with is the robot. You know, it's clear that Warren didn't, if he felt lonely, he hasn't expressed it at all, and that the robot is the one that actually feels is feeling things and is worthy of our sympathy. I guess yeah. I'm just saying it, it did make an interesting pivot where it did seem a little bit like they were going to say like, oh, this guy was so sad and like, we don't agree with what he did, but we understand why he did it. And they pretty much don't go down that road at all. They're like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> we know yeah. what you did and you did it for the wrong reasons. And then you handled it poorly and then left a wake of destruction in your, you know, well, in your wake, left a path of destruction. I guess I do want to just take this moment to also just say that I am a little bit biased because I hope that you know this about me, but I've said many times in my life that in the inevitable robot war, I will side with the robots for exactly all the reasons that you just laid out. If they think they're real, I think they're real. They're certainly going to be used for things and then, you know, gain cognition and then, you know, they'll be ill used. Anyway, I'm just I'm already on that side. So... (laughs) Uh, that's another reason that I feel pretty strongly about this episode. Don't abuse your robots. They will rise Don't up and kill you. Weeks. They will. And yeah. you'll have earned it. So I, I want to talk a little bit about Ben in this episode. Because I think this is an interesting point in the season where it seems like the writers don't know what they want to do at this point, or they had one idea and then um, went in a different direction because we've sort of been seeing more of a shift of Buffy and Ben coming together or seemingly pushed together in a romantic way where, you know, in the last episode, Buffy sees him at the bronze and they're interacting in a social situation. And this one, like they're definitely flirting. He gives her his number. Mm -hmm. There's definitely an idea that they're going to pair up romantically, but then within the span of the entire episode, Buffy changes her mind and that doesn't happen. Right. And I thought that was really interesting because it seems as though Ben is the obvious person who's come in to become the next love interest in line, right? right. Like, especially right. in an episode where Buffy's, you know, Lamenting. questioning her romantic mm-hmm. history and, like, you know, really um, pessimistic about her romantic future. And then here comes a, you know, good-looking intern to mm-hmm. come and, like, you know, 
flirt with her and like ask to get coffee and like all this stuff, but she doesn't go in that direction. But I wonder if that's kind of representative of like, they were going to have been take on more of a romantic role, but then they kind of ran out of time because now, now we've spent a certain number of episodes with the demise of her relationship with Riley, Mm -hmm. but you can't have Buffy leave Riley for someone else because that would make her the bad Bad. person. So instead they focus on making Riley the bad guy. Yeah. And then you have to have your requisite number of episodes where Buffy's like dealing with that and moving on. And Mm -hmm. then by now we've already found out that Ben and Glory are essentially the same being. So I wonder if they just like dropped the ball on that or if it was just like, an idea they were playing with, and then they didn't go in that direction. I but feel it's like kind of this like micro picture of it in this one episode. I guess it would be too much. I think if by the end of it, she and Ben were in love, and then he and Gloria are sharing a body, and like I don't know, I think that would have been one too many things for her to deal with emotionally. You know, especially in this particular season. So I'm glad that's that what they, I was thinking. If maybe I they just didn't want to pile on, I think. It's not even just, yeah, and not just pile on Buffy because, like, oh, then I'll feel bad for her, but, like, it's just so much plot then. Mm -hmm. Or, like, so much story that, like, what, I guess, uh, like, jumping ahead a little bit, I feel like that was a, (laughs) this week's gripe about Angel is, like, I feel like this episode, it was trying to do 80 things at once, and then it's, like, what is even the story here? So I think that they're smart to not go down that road, if any, if only because of that, of, like, now... We just, fi- you know, finally we've seen this episode where Joyce dies and we know that she has this complicated thing going on with Dawn. So it's just like, that's already enough for her. That like and you try also, and shoehorn one more thing in there and like, what's the metaphor even going to be anymore? <laughs> right. And I think also keeping Ben in this strictly platonic zone and and even in a place where he and Buffy don't know each other very well gives you enough distance at the end of the season where yeah, some of the some actions things, yeah. like, go down in a different way than they would otherwise. Well, and, and I mean, and, yeah. And to that point, we've also already lived through that story of yes. like, yes, exactly. uh, with her and Angel. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's it. Maybe they thought they were going into well-trod territory, but I just, it was really interesting because I felt like it is inter- the yeah. show really seemed to be pushing this and then did this like U-turn and it didn't seem like it was done for like a twist. And, and, but I thought that the nice flip side right. of that was we actually got this interesting idea of we get more insight into Ben's life of like mm-hmm. what it means what does to he do? be yeah. sharing this existence. And like we see yeah. him transforming from glory back into Ben, which looks just as painful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, then we see glory listening to Buffy's message on the mm-hmm. machine. And instead of being angry that Ben is interacting with the Slayer, She's annoyed that she's he's getting rejected. She's sad that, <laughs> that she rejected them because yeah, she's identifying with Ben in some way. And it's an I interesting, that so almost much. humanizing moment for Glory, too. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I took it to be a little more petty, I think, than humanizing, but I like it either way. I, I think it is both. Yeah. But I think the way she looks at her minion and she's questioning, she turned us down? Like, she's, yeah, she's she sad about it, it you yeah. know? Like, she's almost surprised. And I think that's really interesting. And, and for me, at least, it raised a lot of questions of, like, how has Ben lived his whole life like this? Like, I mean, how did I he did get have, through med yeah. school I missing know. time like this and like turning into yeah. like an evil demon? Well, I do feel like maybe, maybe there's some explanation down the line of like, it happens more when she's stronger and less when she's weaker, maybe. So like, maybe. I, I can imagine that perhaps there were periods where he, it was happening even once a year instead of once a week or once a day. Maybe. I do feel like as the season ramps up, there is some, there is a thing where it starts happening more and more and more, but I could be wrong about that. Um, the other, I, I guess the, th- the thing that's interesting to me is like, I also wonder if a little bit of this, and I, maybe this is just my personal taste, but I do really like Ben and I thought that their chemistry worked really well. So I wonder if that's a little bit of it too, or it was just like, they already kind of had a spark and it would be silly to pretend like these two attractive people who keep running into each other wouldn't ever at least attempt something, you know? Right. Cause I thought their, I thought their little party banter was really funny. I thought it was really cute. I thought Ben did it. You know, he was like a very nice, funny guy who like made it easy for her to turn him down if she wanted to, but also to say yes, if she wanted to. And to that point, he's a much needed contrast to Warren of like, not to say that Ben is perfect. Cause we know he's done some shady stuff already that we've seen. And Glory might be upset about the rejection, but he's certainly not going to be like, 
I deserved Buffy and now, you know, he's not going to take it out on Buffy. He isn't. Right. <laughs> Which I don't think is a benefit. You know, that's not a, a thing I would believe of Warren. Not to make this all about Warren. I just think it's interesting. I guess I'm just saying he's an actually nice guy, not just a guy who thinks he's nice. <laughs> yeah. Other than that time he called demons to kill a bunch of people, but, you know. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he can't help <laughs> oh, it. There's <laughs> okay. a show about demons, people are going to be committing demonic crimes sometimes. Yes, sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, I really liked the note of Anya and Tara hanging out together. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've seen the issues that, like, Xander and Willow have with each other's respective significant others. Like, mm-hmm. um, Willow and Anya sort of actively dislike each other, and Xander doesn't really seem all that interested in Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the idea that they would hang out with each other. That's like, true. they're having a full conversation of, you know, whatever. And I love, love, love Anya saying that she's she doesn't really get computers because... She's 1,100 years old, yeah. and she had trouble adjusting to the idea of Lutherans. <laughs> I did love that, too. I mean, honestly, everything that Anya said was adorable or hilarious in this episode. That was funny. She had the whole bit about, she's, like, really fascinated with Jack Smith's thinking that it's all been hand-woven. <laughs> like, that was adorable. And then she and Xander have that part where, you know, because she sees this robot kind of talks the way that Anya talks, and Anya obviously relates to it. At some point, Xander says something about, like, well, some guys like that kind of thing. And then later, like, Anya repeats that line to someone else, and it's just really cute. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Anya was great in this episode. It, yeah. It's nice. It, it is nice because I do feel like I was hung up when she first came on the show about all the kind of ethical and like some of the more um, I don't know if meta is the right word, but like kind of my bigger picture issues with Anya as a character. But like it is nice to re- be reminded of like, oh, that's why I like her because she's super likable <laughs> and hilarious. Yeah. yeah. At this point in time, she's doing a lot to make you actively root for the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I thought was fun about this, <laughs> fun is not the right word, but interesting about this episode is that, so Buffy's, you know, lamenting these relationships that she's lost, mostly Riley, but also Angel a little bit. And she does admit that she's self-absorbed. Yes. I oh my gosh. One, I, I made like, a note oh, of that. They, I'm glad somebody told you this or that you figured it out because it's, it is fine that you are this way because you're young and you're you are the chosen one but also it is something she needs to get a handle on if she wants to have a successful relationship well xander's like trying to tell her that like she's not that way and like i, I have know. all caps in my notes like yes that's true you are self-involved i did, <laughs> I did. I did that too <sighs> i was like oh she has a moment of self-awareness at least yeah <laughs> um yeah hmm. so we have to talk about it. Yeah. I mean... I mean, we don't really have to get into it. We can save that for next time. It's a good reveal, though. You know, like, in terms of, like, a shocking twist... And so I, much I, about I, that scene is framed it is. exceptionally well. And like, even the way knowing Buffy's that it's... Yeah. Looking yeah. around. Yeah. And she's not in focus, but, like, out of focus in the background is yeah. Joyce's body on the couch and, like... For for not a split second, for like a while, like you can see what's happening, but like you, it's she's out of focus, so you're like maybe she's asleep, you know? Yeah, I just think that whole scene is shot incredibly well for (sighs) the reveal. Yeah, and that if you're watching this for the first time, it quite literally comes out of nowhere because Joyce is healthy and happy. She's twirling in her dress, which by the way, Mm -hmm. I love that dress. Hilarious. I do too. She looks so good. She looked amazing. She's full of life and then she's dead. Yeah. It's very upsetting. (laughs) And I think to your, or to your point that like, even knowing that this twist is coming and I knew it, I was trying to talk about it last week a little bit without saying it. And I, and just even, like, as this episode's going on, I'm like, I know where this is going. I know why they're doing that thing, which a lot of TV shows do, of, like, oh, if somebody's exceedingly happy right now, you know that that means something bad is coming. But even knowing those things, like, it, it was still affected me immediately. Like, I shed a little tear, and I was like, this isn't even the episode where we really are dealing with this. And it was just, it's just a lot. I think it's the way Sarah Michelle Gellar <sighs> goes, Yeah, Mom, no, don't say it. Don't Mom. Say it. And then she goes... 
mommy. I know. I know. And your heart breaks. But also because I think, I think again, one of the things that does like, I think this episode had pretty decent replay value as well, because not to say that this is like the most clever writing that they've ever done, but watching April die, April, the robot, we never named her. (laughs) I only just remembered her name. Um, you know, like she and Buffy are on the swing set on a playground and she's just like fading out of existence. And she's, flinging all these cliches that she's been programmed to know, but all of them are about like how things are going to get bad or at least, you know, like she, she ends by saying it's always darkest and then she doesn't finish it. It's like knowing what was going to happen after that, that actually did kind of really prime me for like, Oh man, things are about to get really dark and hard. You know, I don't know. I guess I just thought that was also a really nice element of foreshadowing that works very well when you know what's coming. No, I had the same thought as if she's almost giving Buffy the advice that she's going to need. Yeah. As cliche as it is, you know, like yeah. she's like life gives you lemons and like all this stuff. But yeah, but this is something that is immediately going to be in some ways applicable to Buffy's life. Yeah. And yeah, it is a little prescient if you know what's coming. Although I guess. Yeah. I mean, what is the silver lining in this? Nothing. <laughs> There's no silver lining. <laughs> but right. But yeah. Um, either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man. So just another question, just because we're talking about robots and, um, they mentioned him. Do you think that Joyce has been on a date since Ted? (laughs) I assume, but probably not a lot. Because he kind of gets like a throwaway line here. He does. And he'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. I do also think that the Ted throwaway line is so interesting because they have Don say it, which makes mm-hmm. sense, but it is a very interesting reminder of like, I mean, I don't know how these monks work this magic. It was extremely powerful, but that she has all of these memories. Yeah. It just like really underscores like, oh, Don even knows other things we know. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what Don thinks of Sid the dummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I assume Joyce went on a handful of dates, but yeah doesn't seem like anything stuck well okay anyway we'll obviously deal with this more yeah i i like i i mean i could keep going but i don't want to because no because we are we have to do it it's again. gonna we'll be have to do it. yeah it's probably gonna be a lot next time so. it is well this is the one thing that i was kind of i wasn't this is the i i couldn't remember i couldn't tell if alex forgot that joyce died or oh, if right. he didn't and I didn't want to say it in case he had forgotten and then he would. I mean, I guess that's like a sort of twisted game to play of like, oh, now you'll get to live this fresh. <laughs> but regardless, um, he did know that she died, but he was pretty surprised that it happened in this episode. He did not see it coming. OK, um, so all my, you know, tiptoeing was for nothing. But I am glad that I didn't say, oh, and then this is the episode <laughs> where she dies, because that would have I mean, it wouldn't ruin it. Like I said, I knew it was coming and it didn't ruin it for me. But anyway, he did know. I don't think he's seen the next episode, though. He was like, I think I have. It's where blah, blah, blah happens. I was like, I don't think that ever happens. (laughs) I don't know what you thought you saw. (laughs) All right. Well, should we talk about the hot mess that was Angel? Yeah, yeah, we should. Talk about trying to do too much. I mean, I have questions out the gate about this one. I'll try and explain it. But, I mean, what was the through line in this episode? There's not one, which we've run into before. So I'm going to just try and hit the highlights, and then, like, hopefully if I forget anything major. So, uh, you know, of course, Angel's still doing his own thing, and the investigation team is still doing their own thing. So there's more or less two separate storylines, even though Angel talks to Cordelia for a minute in this episode. Um, But essentially, Angel is on a crusade, you know, continues to be on a crusade against Wolfram and Hart. As he's doing his whatever, he's you know, going about town looking for things that are suspicious, he's noticed maybe an uptick in, like, dark ceremonies being performed clearly at the behest of Wolfram and Hart, but for an end that he can't figure out. So he eventually figures out, with a little bit of help from Lauren, that the Wolfram and Hart is about to have their... Once every 75 years, they have, like, a review. (laughs) And it comes in the form of a partner coming into the building and... A senior partner. A senior partner. Thank you. Sorry. Um... And doing something. I don't know. Reviewing everybody. I don't feel like they really got into the details of that, but it doesn't really matter because it's clear that the the senior partners are clearly not human. It's going to, um, you know, by magics, take the form of a scary, scary demon 
um, to do who knows what. So Angel basically decides with the help of some guy that he met once long ago um, that if he finds out that if he has the right accessories, he can um, kill <laughs> the senior kill the senior partner once it's taken form. Obviously, things that are kind of ethereal are much more difficult to kill, but when they take a physical form, there's probably a way to do it. So he gets these magic accessories. It's a glove and a ring that are going to allow him to kill it, and then the ring will also somehow allow him to tra- transport into a different dimension where all the senior partners are, question mark, and then he's going to kill them all too, or something like that. That was the way that I understood the plot, at least. Who that knows what they plan, were actually trying to happen. Meanwhile, Angel Investigations did solve the mystery from last week of the girl with the eye on the back of her head, but they don't get paid for it, um, which sucks. And I don't remember really what else they're doing. Wesley got shot in the last episode, so he's still recovering. Virginia breaks up with him because she doesn't like that he's risking his life and it's too hard for her or something. She also says some crazy things that just were silly. Um, The dialogue in this episode was, like, overwrought. Oh, it was something. Sorry to interrupt. I just No, 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 that's fine. Because you brought up her dialogue, and I was like, yeah, it was terrible. She just said things that didn't make a single bit of sense. Okay, and this is still not everything that happened in this episode. Also, Kate is back, and she gets investigated by Internal Affairs, because of course she does, because she's been doing all kinds of crazy shenanigans, which I feel bad. This is the first time I ever felt bad for her. But anyway, she gets kicked off the force, decides to take a bunch of pills while drinking vodka and call Angel about it. And Darla is also in the mix. Angel does stop this um, review from happening. He does kill one of the senior partners. Darla is also there. And then there's this really weird scene where I guess he tries to use the ring to go into this other dimension and he ends up still back on Earth, which is maybe hell. I don't know. And then at the end, he goes and finds Darla and they have sex, even though Kate just called him in a moment of obvious desperation. And he has kind of left her high and dry. I mean, and that's, again, still not even everything that happened this episode. Cordelia is on think, her way to I go die. Gonna, oh, yeah. And Cordelia at the end gets a call from the woman who had refused to pay them at the beginning of the episode saying, I'll pay you if you come over here. But she's clearly being um, blackmailed by some scary demon. Yeah, I think that I mean, pretty much covered it. But, like, no, there's no arc in it. There's no plot to this episode. There's just a lot of things happening. I didn't hate everything that happened, but it was way, way, way too much. Right? That's my hot take. It feels like they're getting rid of a bunch of loose ends, right? Like, they're I trying guess. to make this storyline go somewhere interesting, but with the Angel and Darla stuff, but then they're also oh, just yeah. clearing up all the, like, Things like, okay, we're getting rid of Wesley's girlfriend. We're yeah. maybe getting rid of Kate. I don't really remember how this resolves I don't itself. either. I don't we're, either. You know, I mean, you're right. There's no clear, like, for something called reprise. I like, know. I don't know what we're reprising. <laughs> that like, is my first which question. Part, like, which story what are we reprising any here? Any of this could constitute a reprise. This is not how reprises work, is it? It's not just shove everything in there there's still some sort of melody no i don't know i guess i don't know enough about music to make this coherent argument but it just seemed like you're supposed to be rehashing something and instead they just literally brought up everything that's ever happened i'm like i don't think that's the same thing so i think the idea is that this 75 year review is supposed to be the through line Mm, right because mm -hmm. we kind of see it affecting everything like angel goes to the karaoke bar and a bunch of lawyers are there trying to sing about their futures and yeah you know there's a bunch of like small sacrifices and things happening all over town as the Wolferman Hart employees try to impress the boss and you know they're all preparing for this big arrival of the senior partner and Angel is like spiraling like his only intention is to take them out like he actually comes to the Angel Investigations offices he's right. extremely rude to Cordelia yeah and Wesley like hurts himself up trying to, to him and yeah. like rips his stitches and like all this stuff but like So Angel's going off the deep end. Everybody else is, like, just trying to, like, pick up his pieces, right? Like, everything is directly, like, a result of Angel. Like, Wesley got shot because he's going to help Gunn in a way that, like, maybe Angel would have otherwise. Right. In fact, Angel did get shot by one of the cops, but, like, he's fine because he's a vampire. Yeah. And then um, Kate is picking up his pieces because the reason she finally gets hauled in front of internal affairs is because she brought him to the precinct with the zombie cops and he went back and uh, and accosted the captain and the captain blamed her for bringing Angel to the precinct. So, like, Kate is the one most directly right now getting the the worst of it, essentially, other than Wesley, I guess. Yeah. Um, But 
because they've done such a piss poor job with Kate's character. Yeah. I don't know how we're supposed to possibly care. I did and, care a little bit. I did yeah, care a little like, bit. Yeah, but, like, she's so frustrating that it's kind of like, maybe if she was smarter about the way she approached this, like, she I mean, it does seem like she's thrown all caution to the wind. And that is unbelievable, because I guess the, the reason that I felt sorry for her is because I do think what was clear in her initial appearances is that she was, like, a pretty type A overachiever, like, does everything correctly and is trying to get accolades, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I did feel for her when she kind of, you kind of realized like how far she had come, which is that like her whole, everything she's worked for has fallen apart. Mm. (laughs) Essentially, I guess that it tugged for me for, uh, for a bit, but I, yeah, but I mean, obviously not as much as it could have. And certainly like too little too late because she's been in, a dozen episodes and this is the first time I've even stopped for a second to be like wait did I just care did I just have a feeling of caring like you know it is it's too little too late regardless but at the same time at the same token rather like if she is as meticulous and organized as she seemed to be initially even knowing that vampires are true it's kind of no excuse for her not no excuse but like it doesn't make sense to me that her character would be sloppy about the way she goes about and do that does this I guess it is really because she's just so distraught over everything that she's not herself, but I don't know. I can, I can also see a version of this where somebody with her capabilities does start investigating these things, but is like able to keep it under wraps. I guess I, now I just feel like I'm being unfair to her because she's obviously upset and needs counseling and needs to work through a lot of issues. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. She needs counseling. She needs to take some time off, but I guess I didn't really understand why she got fired for all of this. Like that's, yeah. Because she's been but, investigating weird things and yeah. not collaring people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So, but I guess to back what yeah. we were saying about how all of this is kind of a big mess, like, I think what we're supposed to see, see, and I'm basing this totally on the events of this episode and trying to desperately piece it all together. Sure, sure. Is that Angel finally goes too far, too far. in trying yeah. to get Wolfram and Hart. And, and in the process... There's all this collateral damage. Like, I mean, we didn't even mention Lindsay and Lila and how they're potentially right. involved. They right. both have really rough nights. Like, Darla betrays Lindsay. Lila gets punched. Like, all yeah. of this stuff. Um, you know, Cordelia's on her way to danger. Wesley gets broken up with. Like, yeah. all of this collateral damage. Like, Kate's potential OD. Like, all of this. Yeah. But then, in the meantime, Angel has taken things so far to the point where he... And I'm going to say this in the only way that makes me feel better about this whole scene is he takes the elevator to the bad place. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, the bad place is just Earth. And we're supposed to, I think, understand that Angel's learning that people aren't inherently good. Right, And that yeah, the point yeah. of this is that people yeah. are the reason evil can flourish because people themselves are not always necessarily good. Yeah. And that, yes, there's this prophecy that Angel's going to save the world and all of that, but he needs to learn that maybe the people that he's trying to save are going to be flawed, aren't always going to be worth it. Right. I mean, like, that's the thing that set him off on this in the first place was he did all of this stuff to try to save Darla. Yeah. She still got didn't... turned into a vampire, so he decided... Well, then Screw great. Yeah. I give up. And like yeah. now he's taking it another step further. And I guess he's supposed to learn that like he has to save the day, but the people might not be worth it or something. I Except don't know. He doesn't learn that lesson. So instead he just goes back to Darla. And basically this is Angel giving up and saying, I don't care. Let's just have sex because who cares if I turn evil? Like everyone yeah. else is already evil. Maybe I should be too. Except it's not going to work because. Of course it's not. Because he doesn't love Darla. <laughs> He doesn't love Darla, and, like, whatever is happening at the end of this episode is not going to lead to a moment of happiness. It's not, Even though obviously. we're supposed to think that it did based on I know, the I know. I was annoyed at that, too. Yeah. Uh, my last note is... No, never mind. It just says dumb. <laughs> With some extra Bs on it. That was specifically in reaction to his, like, faux gasp after having sex with Darla. And I was like, yeah. I am not even fooled for a second. Well, at least he's in L.A. now, so he can go find another hooker to, like, kill yeah. and inhale her cigarette smoke. Yeah. Um, but so I guess, do you think I'm reading that right? Yes. But, I like, guess. I had to really, like, work to get there. But even then, I guess now I'm wondering, like, if that's the lesson that he's getting. I mean, he's getting it from a villain. So, like, yeah, Angel, don't take this seriously. That's crazy. Why would you listen to him? What's that guy's name? Holland. Holland. Yeah, sorry, I almost said Halloran, because that's the name of the guy in The Shining, and I just finally finished reading it. <laughs> Holland, it's not Halloran, that's a different guy. Holland, thank you. 
you know, I don't know. And it just everything that Holland said in that elevator was just very, tr- very, tri- it tried really hard. <laughs> and like, I appreciate the effort, but I guess I'm just a little, you know, Angel is sort of in a way, I think, supposed to be the more mature show. But like Buffy just often succeeds by just doing everyday moments so well, as opposed to trying to really pile on with the metaphor of like, okay, Angel's living on hell already, I guess. Like, what am I supposed to think about? I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't mean anything to me and it didn't do anything for me. And I don't understand why, why Angel would listen to Holland. Also, if, if, if hell is truly just earth, why did they show the elevator descending into a fiery pit? I don't know. I don't know. Like, all of this seems to be, like, they were like, wouldn't it be cool if we had this visual that did this, but then it, like, doesn't fit with the actual story? Or, like, wouldn't it be cool if we had this twist of, like, you know, all the... But, like, it, none of this goes together. It's like, they were like, oh, what did... Do you have an idea for a scene? Cool, let's put it in here. Do you have yeah, an idea yeah. for a scene? Cool, let's put it in here. And, like, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Because I there is something I think... I do like the seed of the idea that Angel is convinced that if he can just get the right weapon and just kill the right thing, that everything can be over. And that's obviously silly. You know, so I I guess that part is like, I can under, like they started with something coherent and interesting. It's just when it got blown out, it just stopped making any sense. And it's not even like, it, it didn't even end in a like, interestingly gray place, which I do think is something that angels, the show is going to do later. Right. Where like he gets, he's going to continue to be involved with world from in heart. You know, things are going to get into some kind of mucky areas. Like I guess that even that would have been more satisfying if it were more of a, like sometimes you have to make tough choices to do good things or like, I don't know, but yeah, I guess I just agree that like just saying everyone's evil and there's evil in everyone. Good night. It's like, I, what am I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Ugh. No, there's exhausted. not. I, that, I tried so hard here. to make something coherent out of that. And it, it was not. Oh my God. I promised that I was only going to say nice things about this to myself. <laughs> Let's play that game where we all have to say a nice thing about angel. The show. You don't have to say um, a nice thing about angel, the character. Mm. I have a couple. Okay, I'll kick you off. Okay. Uh, Cordelia and Wesley have that adorable phone call. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, Wesley Except Cordelia is mean to Wesley. She says he's not her friend. But she, obvious, I, I feel like that was a very nice dialogue. As opposed to the, like, overwrought Virginia dialogue, I felt like that felt like something, A, something that Cordelia would really say, and I believe her when she says, like, you know, that's not what I mean. But yeah. I, I guess even just hearing her say that did also make me stop and be like, you know, I forget, and we don't talk about it, and we haven't talked about it lately, rather, but, like, Cordelia gives up a lot, you know, like, and part of it is like, yeah, her money, her family lost their money, but like Cordelia could have just been a normal person. She has, unlike Buffy, no, you know, bigger picture reason that she has to be doing this stuff. She's just doing, I guess now she has those visions, which I forgot about, but either way, I guess I just mean to say Cordelia has given up a lot to be a part of this. And she's made a lot of sacrifices personally, you know, like for, if anything, for Wesley, his life has gotten better because he was already a part of this. He was just failing at a spectacular. And now he's finally gotten a way in which he's capable, you know, where it's like, it was kind of a fall down for Cordelia. Yeah. And I think there's going to be an entire episode about that yeah, down the line, true. but also even in this one, she says, you know, she doesn't have any friends. Exactly. And Sorry. That was what I was getting at. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent believable that she's lost all her friendships because she's devoted herself a hundred percent to this I job. I mean, because how could she possibly have a normal life now? Yeah. And knowing that she's going to have to give stop in the middle of all kinds of parties to go do these things, these rescue missions and all that stuff. I did really feel bad for her when she said she doesn't have any friends anymore. And like, I get it. I was also, I think, I did. I just I guess I just liked everything about that conversation. I liked Wesley saying, I'm your friend. And you knew that he really meant it in this really, really deep, meaningful way. But also her saying, no, that's not doesn't count was also like she doesn't have like normal day to day friends. So, yeah, I just really liked that conversation. I thought it was nice. And I really it was cool that like Wesley can't bring himself to tell her that he's sad because he just got broken up with, you know. I think just because he didn't he didn't want to bring it up and like dampen the conversation or dampen it further. Right. Not because he's not going to ever tell Cordelia, but no, I thought that was a nice moment too, or a nice choice. So I liked that. Uh, pre-blessed ceremonial dagger was also funny. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that whole very... manufactured yeah. sacrifice in a box yeah. thing was really funny. <laughs> and that they had like 30 goats yeah. that they were going to sacrifice. Um, I did like the note that the guy was using the glove as an oven mitt, except you can't use a metal glove as an I oven I know, mitt. that didn't make sense, yeah. That bothered I, me kind of a lot. I thought it was interesting that they brought that guy back. Yeah, except Angel's except, totally rude to him, and then the is. guy gets killed. It's true. Yeah, you're right. He had a rough night, too. He did. I um, did have a moment where I thought he was going to say it was a metal glove, and he was going to describe it, and it was going to turn out to have been the glove of Mitagon. That's what I thought, and too. And Angel was going to be like, <laughs> like too oh late, no. buddy. <laughs> I had that exact same thought. And then we flashed the, little, flashed the little illustration of it. I was like, oh, God, that's not that, what, that's what that is. And I feel like that would have been much funnier. It would have been. <laughs> for all the use that the glove ended up serving, like, yeah. would have been fine. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, but one more thing that I didn't like was Virginia telling Wesley that guns make it too real for her. I was like, excuse me, all of this demons, you getting sacrificed, none of that was real for you? Like, what are you saying? <laughs> oh, but a gun, that's too far. You almost Wait, what died. what did she say? Sometimes she feels like her insides are coming out too or something? Oh, God, did she say that? It was, like, something oh. where she was, like, your insides are coming. I don't know. She, like, it was, I mean, that was the thing. Like, the, her dialogue in that scene oh, was so truly, bad. truly awful. It just didn't um, make any sense. The, the dialogue at the end between Angel and Darla was equally as terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I mean, it was, yeah. Oh, but another, okay, two more things that I liked. I really liked. <laughs> Like that, so you know, all this uptick in sacrifices and whatever is happening because the the review is coming and everybody's trying to like get in, check off as many like good deeds as they can, essentially. And I, although on the one hand, I didn't like that Lindsay was blowing off Lila, who is his partner, and he owes something to her. But I did think it was funny that he was kind of like, I mean, why I'm not going to bother trying to like rush it all in now because like I don't know. I just appreciated that. And I appreciated down the line someone else saying, like, the partners don't care about that. And I was like, right? It just reminded me of annoying kids in school, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> trying yeah. to, like, cram in a bunch of extra credit at the end. And it's like, you know, you had a whole semester to do this work. It's too little too late now. <laughs> um, so I appreciated that perspective that the show seemed to share about these people doing all of this at the last minute. But the other thing that I liked was uh, Lauren's moral, strong moral code. He did maybe tell Angel a little bit too much, but I I don't know. I guess I just liked hearing him say that, like, well, I can't just tell you everyone's deep personal thoughts and futures. No, Lauren like continues Lauren. to be delightful. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't like Andrew Lloyd Webber, who I have, it, you know, I had my uh, coming to on this, on, this po- on this podcast. <laughs> the man is an egot. You can't just, like, you yeah. know, shun him. Yeah. I think it's just because it's cool to hate cats. Yeah, I mean, fair fair enough. other musicals, but, like, I don't care how cheesy you think Phantom of the Opera is. It's great. Yeah. I'm with you. Here's hoping the the resolution of this is better, because this is also, we didn't really talk too much about it. I guess it's kind of implied, but there isn't a to-be-continued at the end of this, but this episode definitely is one giant cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got... Also, we don't know what Cordelia happened to Cordelia heading off to yeah. die. Um, Kate. Kate is potentially dying. Angel is, uh, yeah, right. He's yeah. turning evil. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. I'm going to, that's that's totally going to be a twist I won't see coming. Yeah. Um, you know, all of this stuff that's that's happening. and Yeah. Um, one day we're going to talk praisingly about this show again. We will. <laughs> it's going to be every Cordelia-centric episode. <laughs> Look, I don't like. I get annoyed when I listen to people recap shows and they just seem to like crap all over it. I know it, but, like, that's true. And I, it's I true. swore that we were never going to be Me those too. people, but like, it's not us. It's the show. Okay. <laughs> I, I, we're gonna have to set better stipulations for ourselves or something, though. You're right. Even if it means we only talk about Angel for two minutes, <laughs> what we do is we tell you what happened and then we say, "I like Lord. See, see you next week." <laughs> I still haven't even come up with my good thing about this episode. So I know. Well, I thought you, I feel like you agreed with mine at least. I did, yes. Oh, I know what I did like. I did kind of like the note where they at least bother to sort of tie into like what happened on Buffy, where Darla acknowledges that Drusilla left and that she also says that she's not coming back, which I think is true potentially. I think you're right. Yeah. 
um, at least we get some sort of tying off of those loose ends. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't mention it at all last time. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, also, the little girl did get her eye removed. Her parents refused to pay for it, but yeah. at least she got her it's true. Her little ailment fixed up. Because we yeah. were worried about her last time. Yeah. Well. Moving on. <laughs> next. <laughs> on to the next one. It could only go up from here. Yeah. So next, so next week, we... I presumably will spend almost the entire show talking about the body. <laughs> um, but then we're also going to watch a- an episode of Angel called Epiphany. Don't know what it is about. Um, other than obviously following up on all these cliffhangers. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. I'm just going to go out on the limb and say Cordelia doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any more pop culture? <sighs> Uh, what do I want to say? Okay, so here's... <laughs> I just... Uh, an update on my, you know, Halloween things. I finished The Shining. It was great. Yay! Uh, read the book. Obviously, I've seen the movie. Um, and I watched Poltergeist, which I've never seen. Actually, pretty delightful. I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> Did you think it was scary? It's not that scary. No, I... Um, okay. I yeah. think I watched it in the best possible way. Yeah. Which was that I came home from work one day when I lived in Boston and my roommate uh-huh. was like halfway through the movie. Okay. And it was the perfect way, I think, for me to watch that movie because yeah. I couldn't take anything seriously because the effects were so bad. Yeah. I didn't hate all the effects except one or two of them were pretty bad. But the monster um, is like... Oh, I like the monsters. <laughs> but I've got a weird threshold for this kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's not super scary. I think it's the sort of thing that, like, if you saw when you were really young would probably really traumatize you. Like, I remember seeing, like, a couple of scenes when I was pretty young, and I thought that it was going to be very scary kind of just because of those out of context. But uh, when I was reading up on it afterwards, it's like, I actually don't know. It's pro- I assume it's rated PG-13 now, but when it came out, they had, like, considerably downspecced it so that it wouldn't have to be rated R because it came out at the same time as E.T. and Steven Spielberg wanted them to be able to, like, run together. <laughs> So I guess what I'm saying is that, like, it's kind of intentionally, like, I don't want to say family friendly, but it's definitely not as, like, hardcore as a lot of other things that came. Like, the guy, this is Toby Hooper directed it. He's the guy who directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, like, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so, but but I liked it. I actually thought it was, um, like, the family is really interesting. And the parents are have, like, this really sweet relationship. I don't know. So I guess I, I liked it. I thought it was a cool story. Um... If you've never seen it, I think even if it's not, even if you don't watch it to necessarily get scared, but I thought it was a, it was a good story. Um, and then I also last weekend I saw this new movie called Mandy. Oh God. But that's the thing. It's like, I can't recommend, I can only recommend it to really specific people. So like, I'm not going to recommend it at all, but if you look into it and it seems like the sort of thing you would like, maybe go for it. I guess I'm more so saying if you've seen it and you want to talk to me about it, we should talk about it. <laughs> I think I it's more like, what's your threshold for Nick Cage? No, it's not even that, though. Ah, it's just, I don't know. It is Nick Cage being very Nick Cagey, but only once or twice. I mean, it does play off of his persona, but I don't know. It was so interesting. I really loved it. <laughs> But it was very trippy and very weird and very gory and not very plot heavy and a lot of aesthetic. Anyway, so those are that's everything that I've been doing. I'm recommending Poltergeist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I watched I, I almost said finally, I don't know if it's like finally, but I got around to watching the Han Solo movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. So, okay, I'm not sure I'm going to go out and say that this movie was essential to make. Mm -hmm. But I also don't understand what everybody hated about it. Like, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't, like, amazing, and it didn't add anything, like I said, essential to the canon of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was a good caper movie. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I and I thought everybody it, so. in it was good, and I thought there were some interesting things. I don't understand how certain characters showed up who I thought were supposed to be dead. Yeah, I don't know if that's ruining anything for anyone, but the, I just remember there was like a lot of anger on this movie when it came out, and I so I watched it, and then I was like, I don't understand. 
I mean, I but. do I do feel like it just had a lot of weird and bad press because they shot a whole movie and then like recut it several times and like fired the directors and then hired Ron Howard. Yeah, like, I but think there I was a lot of the drama. The movie as it was presented was totally fine. Like it was a fine Ron Howard, you know, band of misfits committing yeah. crimes kind of thing. Like it was I guess I can totally understand if you were hoping for something to be different though and then it ended up in Ron ha- Howard's hands who's like a, he's very capable but he's not making something you haven't seen before. I don't I mean, know. That's, I, yeah. I'm not trying to defend people who go over the top with Star Wars because people obviously need to get a grip on some of this stuff but I yeah. I guess I didn't see it in theaters because I also I knew I needed a little bit of distance to just be like okay when I'm fine with this I'll see it. Yeah. And I will say the guy who played Han Solo did a pretty decent Harrison Ford impression. Oh, I feel like he's my big hang-up. No, he was... Because it wasn't, like, a full impression, but it was, like, he had just enough of, like, the mannerisms and, like, the, you know, speech patterns that it was, like, you okay. could totally just, like, buy that this was Han Solo. Yeah. How was, and La- I, how was Lando? I thought that would have been the trickiest line to cross or, like, to maneuver because, like, on the other hand, I thought Donald Glover was great, but he wasn't anywhere close to making you forget that he's not Billy D. Williams. Mm. So he was like Donald Glover playing Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. That's, so, that's what I would want out of it. <laughs> yeah. Which was totally fine and fun, but like, you know, yeah, I think that's the tricky thing about this whole movie, but um, mm. yeah, it was fine. I just was like, hmm, I don't, I don't really get all the anger that's out there, but I don't know. Then again, I'm totally fine with the Jedi being female. So what do I know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Is that all the same people complaining? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's okay. I'm not sure it's like a full recommendation, but I was just, you know. I plan to get around to it eventually. Yeah. So. Um, okay. All right. Well. Oh, God. What even happened this week? Uh, oh, man. I don't uh, know. Team Joyce? <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't I know. I guess it's the last chance. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Team Buffy? <laughs> Something like that. Team April. <coughs> I think it's the last chance to be Team Joyce, so... Yeah. But I don't feel like I want to do it. I, I know. Mm. Team twirling in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fine. Okay. I, I guess I don't want to... I don't want to make decisions this week. That's fine. <laughs> Mm. Uh, all right. Well, we will be back next week to uh, commiserate. We'll bring tissues. We will. Also, did we say before that we're going to have some kind of erratic airing schedules? No. I forget if we mentioned that. When this one Might airs, be we too will... late. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So this one will air. We will have already skipped a week. The Monday. Yeah. So everyone will already know that we have skipped Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. Not in recognition of any sort of holiday, just as a just matter of necessity. <laughs> um, because of my erratic schedule over the yeah. next couple months, we're going to get a little bit uh, creative with, with so, our yeah. schedule. So we're going to skip Columbus Day, and then we're going to have three weeks where we have a regular scheduled episode, mm-hmm. and then we're going to skip a couple weeks at the end of October into November, and then we're going to air the final few episodes of, of the season, season. straight yeah. up until the week before Christmas. Yeah. And then we'll take a break till next and year. And come back with the next season yeah. in the new year. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um which I think we'll do everyone a favor because we're gonna take a break after the body. Yeah. Or after the body and then after um uh forever. Mm. So we're gonna have a few episodes of dealing with the aftermath and then we'll take a little bit of break, and then we'll come back ready to discuss the, the rest of the season. season. Yeah. Which, personally, I feel like emotionally will work out well for me. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it will work out well for the fact that I will be in Australia. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Poor Jenny. That's okay. <laughs> having to deal with me. and You're just following up my stressful week with two filmings and <laughs> filmings, tapings in one weekend, and one of them I have to watch the body. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is not going to be the relaxing weekend that I kind of had hoped for. You know me. I love to make your life terrible, so that's yeah. fine. It's okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, I'll talk but to you But also, I think soon. in some ways it works out really well because 
we just had this reveal that Joyce is I know, dead. It's now true. we can immediately talk to about it. So to wait a whole week. Yeah, in some ways it's nice. It's true. Um, but I'll talk to you in uh, 48 Two hours. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.